In this episode of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. The Ramones were the first punk rock band, but you could argue that they're also the first pop punk band because their songs are very catchy. You know, they have some mid-tempo songs, they have love songs, so you could make that argument that pop punk and punk really started at the same time. Welcome to episode 119 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. This one is the Mike DeMonte punk rock interview episode. Mike has been a guest on the Bobcast in the past. If you remember, we talked a little bit about UFOs in episode 112 or UFO Stories Part 3 way back in July of 2021. Mike has a wealth of knowledge regarding the paranormal and UFOs. In fact, he has written three books on paranormal and UFO-related topics, the Punk Rock and UFOs series of books. However, we're not here to talk to Mike about UFOs and the paranormal in this episode. We're talking to Mike all about punk rock, specifically pop punk and emo stuff, because Mike's most recent book, Hey Suburbia, focuses on the rise of pop punk and emo in the 1990s and early 2000s. And what a book! Hey Suburbia, in some ways, it can be a kind of a nostalgic trip down memory lane, but while it does kind of have one foot firmly planted in the past, in the history of pop punk and emo of those kind of golden years for those types of music, the book also has some kind of current commentary on the state of pop punk, emo, hardcore, just kind of punk rock stuff in general, and I really did appreciate that, not only that it went back and talked about kind of the history a pop punk and emo in that kind of 90s and early 2000s era but it also kept up and talked about things currently so really really cool i do want to say i always love talking to mike demonte because mike talks about and deals with very similar topics that the bobcast talks about specifically look at mike's books the punk rock and ufo series and also he has kind of a blog type thing going on at punkrockandufos.com. Really great stuff. Paranormal, punk rock. It's like we're peas in a pod. We're punk rock peas in a pod, Mike DeMonte and I. Well, on that note, I am really, really stoked to share this conversation Mike and I had recently with you. It's a great one. I hope and think you will love it. I also think Hey Suburbia is a really, really good book. We're definitely going to talk about it in the interview with Mike. I will say this right now. You should buy the book. Links to where you can do that will be up on this episode's page of the Bobcast website, which is IWantAPartyWithBob.com slash podcast. First up, though, speaking of commentary on punk rock, this episode features another fine edition of Krusty's Corner. Yes, that crown prince of Canadian coolness is back on the Bobcast in this episode with another round of his radical ramblings. Let's see what Mr. Krusty has to say, and I think it has something to do with Canadian rock wrestling, and there's some music in there by a band called Dead Cemetery, and this Krusty's Corner does feature a gentleman by the name of Nick Caruso, by the way, so stay tuned. Welcome to Krusty's Corner on I Want to Party with Bob the Bobcast. I am your host, Michael Krusty, and I am here today to talk to you, my friends, about what I have been up to, what I like, what I'm doing, and what I think you guys should get into because, uh, you know, I'm, an, I'm a huge influencer, I guess. I don't know. I have here my good friend Nick from CRW, and he is here to chat about what he's been up to. What have you been up to, Nick? Hey, how you doing, man? Um, I have been up to my neck with CRW, Canadian Rock Wrestling, uh, constantly creating content for that show, man. It's uh, do you, do, Wait, wait, wait. You, you watch the show, right? I watch the show, and I'm also a wrestler on the show because uh, you know uh, I got all the, <laughs> the muscles <laughs> yes yes I do watch the show 
Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. But uh, for those of you who don't, CRW, Canadian Rock Wrestling, is a show that I started up uh, a couple months ago. And I've been working on it since. Um, I, I, I started off uh, using all Canadian bands and just like just showing up uh, all the Canadian music and talent that we have. But uh, we've expanded. We've uh, we've bought out Vince McMahon's territory. So uh, <laughs> you can't. You can't say those those two words on on a podcast. You, we might get in trouble, Vince and oh, McMahon. Sorry, no, I, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was going to change his name to Mince Vickman. That works too. There we go. <laughs> uh, so your your wrestling show that you have is actually, um, uh, uh, it, well, I don't know how to say. It. Is it? It's animated. Is it? It's like it's like video game, but but it's real. Yeah, but not so real. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of hard to explain in that sense. It, when when I whenever I talk to somebody about it, they always give me the same confused or confuddled look, like that I like to call it, which is like, what are you what are you on? But yeah, essentially, it's basically I take a video game, um, paid by uh, Mr. Mince Dickman, and uh, I. <laughs> I uh, install some of my own code in there so I can uh, bring in the fabulous faces of uh, the musicians that we see. Like, you'll you'll see, like, you know, bands off uh, Fats, off uh, Epitaph, off, you know, especially in Canada, we get a lot of Canadian bands. I, I personally, I like the Thousand Island Records and Stomp Cruise. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty much all punk bands, right? At this point? Yes. Punk and rock. Punk and rock. Yeah. Drunken rock, drunken drunken rock. rock. It's prunken rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And and also, there's there's a male league and there's a female league. Yes. So yeah, there's a uh, there's two divisions. I guess essentially there's the women's division and male division. I'm still trying to figure out how I can get the the women to kick the guys' asses because I mean they seem to be doing a bang up job on stage already uh so we need to uh we need to I, I need to i need to crack that code i need to get the girls kicking the guys butts but yeah we have uh women and um and men just tangling up in the ring and they're all all computer animated so uh, none of them actually get hurt except for their emotions <laughs> or or if it whoever's watching the show if they're the one fighting and they lose it, it's pretty it's pretty sad like it's it's happened to me a couple times where i have lost and i and i cried a little bit and uh you know i was the championship i was the champion for a while and then i lost that belt and that was a sad day yeah and, and wait you lost to patty of uh brutal youth i did yeah yeah that was a uh, an amazing spectacle. <laughs> and next time, next time I see him in person, I'm gonna kick his ass. You should, and can I film it? <laughs> it's gonna that 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 is gonna bring CRW to a whole new level. And I'm telling you, Mince Vicman is going to be hitting me up. Yeah, with, yeah. with his lawyers probably. But um, where where can where can people uh, watch? I know you're on Twitch and you're on YouTube and you're on the Facebook and all that stuff, but. How can people find you? Yeah, so um, basically, if uh, all these all these episodes can be found on social media, those big three, it's it's the, the Twitch, the Facebook, and the YouTube. Um, it's it's always streamed live. I try to keep it regular on Mondays, uh, but sometimes I'll bump it up to like Wednesdays or something. So uh, weekly show or bi-weekly and uh you'll you'll usually see uh, your bands tagged in it so the bands that you like are often tagged in these posts so you'll just find it on socials instagram too yeah so it's just canadian rock wrestling yeah just just google that just google canadian rock wrestling or crw actually crw canadian rock wrestling and uh you'll be able to find it so uh, i'm just gonna throw this out here I, I really we haven't chatted about this but i'm just gonna just go ahead and say if you're a punk band and you're listening to this podcast and you want to be a part of CRW, is it possible to reach out to you and be like, hey, I want to wrestle on your show? Are you taking submissions? Absolutely, and I'm glad you asked. So right now we are wrapping up um, our season three, which is going to be closing on September 26th, which is going to be a live show. Uh, the day after Puza with a bunch of hungover people. 
And then after that, we are going to be crewing up for season four. So any band interested on putting on some wrestling tights, uh, they can email us at CanadianRockWrestling at thegmail.com. Yeah. And so, and that goes for it. You don't have to be Canadian. Um, no, not to at be, all. Yeah. A wrestler on this show. You just have to be uh, cool. You have to be nice and, uh, you know, say hello. Maybe even, you know, Vimo him, nick some money. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is Vimo still a thing? Wait, do we have Vimo? Do we have Vimo in, in Canada? I think it's it's PayPal here, but I think Vimo oh. in the States. I, have yeah, no I also accept Pigeon Carrier, so you can just attach a blue $5 bill to any pigeon. Uh, if you're the closer you are to the equator, the bluer the bill should be. So just send that <laughs> up. While we're, we're chatting, before I have you leave, is there any, any new punk bands that you, um, you think people should be listening to? Mm, new punk bands that people should be listening to uh i haven't heard something new well actually i recently got into um the uh, dave and confused release from uh death cemetery so that and they are going to be they're going to be supporting belvedere on the canadian tour eastern part and that is a band that i definitely want to check out live and they're they're wrestlers on your show and they're a great band death cemetery yeah that's right Debt Cemetery. <laughs> Debt Cemetery. It's such an awesome name. It is. It really is. Yeah, it's it's so great because that's what sends us to the grave, right? For anyone who's wondering, the music that's playing underneath this conversation, it actually is Debt Cemetery. So there's a little taste of, of the band. There you go right there. Okay, thank you, Nick. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Uh, any, any last words before we take off? Oh, shit. I always get put on the spot with this. Uh, flabbergast. All right. And, uh, well, perfect. That's great. Um, if, if you guys want to know any more about me or you want to stalk me on uh, all the social medias, just, uh, just you can find me at uh, Michael X Krusty or Krusty Media. So uh, I guess uh, the only thing to do is maybe, Nick, if you want to say it with me, here we go. Three, two, one. See you, you next time. time. Thank you, Michael Krusty, Nick Caruso, Debt Cemetery, and Canadian Rock Wrestling. It sounds very interesting to me, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, thank you all for another fine edition of Krusty's Corner. What a great way to start off this kind of pop punk and emo-themed Bobcast episode. Now, since we're getting this party started, we're going to do it right here, right now. Why don't we do the... of the episode. Yes, the beer of the episode for the Mike DeMonte interview episode is the Monkey Mind Pong Classic American Pale Ale. That's from Plan 9 Ale House. And we are kind of dealing with classic American music in this episode in some ways, aren't we? Speaking of classic American things. Well, let's talk about the beer. This is time to talk about the beer. We'll talk about the music in a little bit. Monkey Mind Punk. It's an American-style pale ale. It is crisp, clean, and has mild malty notes of citrus, according to Plan 9 Ale House, anyway. 
Monkey Mind Pong will also likely take your mind elsewhere with a very decent 6.3% alcohol by volume. Let's try this beer and see uh, how ping-pongy our brains get. Yeah, it's very clean. It is. Very clean finish. Very refreshing beer for late summer, right? Here we are at the very beginning of September. It's still very warm, so this is kind of the perfect beer for that type of weather. Ooh, it's nice. It has no bite in the aftertaste whatsoever. Just very clean and crisp. Yes, another winner from Plan 9 Alehouse. You can try this beer if you'd like and many, many other fine beers. All you have to do is visit Plan 9 Alehouse. They're located at 155 East Grand Avenue in downtown Escondido, California. You can reach Plan 9 Alehouse by phone at 760-489-8817 or on the web at Plan9Alehouse.com. Plan 9 Alehouse, beer to the people and also beer to video game playing monkeys, apparently. There is a story behind the name Monkey Mind Pong, which I have told in another Bobcast episode, so I'm not going to get redundant and tell it again. Just Google it. It's a very interesting story. There you go. There is music in this episode, and that music is provided by that band of bands, War on Women. It's a song off their latest record, Wonderful Hell. The name of the song we're going to play in this episode is White Lies, and Mike DeMonte handpicked that song just for this episode, which is really rad because I do truly love War on Women, one of the greatest bands playing these days, I believe. But here we go. Mike DeMonte, Punk Rock Super Spectacular episode will begin right after a few words from this episode's sponsor, Midwife Made Naturals. Please stay tuned. Midwife Made Naturals offers a full line of products designed to support all stages of womanhood. From the beginning of womanhood to menopause, Midwife Made Naturals provides natural supplements and homeopathic remedies to help you be your healthiest, be your most natural, be your most balanced, and be your most powerful self. Midwife Made Naturals products are designed to balance and empower you through every step of womanhood. Help with regulating your menstrual cycle, help with fertility and your ability to conceive, helping optimize your pregnancy and birth, helping with your postpartum needs, breastfeeding, menopause, Midwife Made Naturals is here for you and here to help. Made in the USA with all natural ingredients, Midwife Made Naturals products are preservative and gluten-free, have no artificial coloring, and are non-GMO. For more information on Midwife Made Naturals products, simply visit midwifemadenaturals.com. There you'll find a full line of homeopathic and natural supplements, all designed with the goal of helping you on your journey through womanhood. Please visit midwifemadenaturals.com today. I'd like to welcome Mike DeMonte back to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Welcome back, Mike. Good to have you again. This is your second time. You're a veteran now of the Bobcast, you know, so... We were going to talk a little bit about UFOs and paranormal related stuff, but I think we'll save that for another episode because conveniently enough, not only have you written books that involve the paranormal and UFOs, your newest book, Hey Suburbia, deals with emo, punk rock, pop punk, that type of thing. So I'd like to talk mostly about that type of thing. Uh, Let's go back to your roots for the very first question. How did you get into punk rock? What kind of led you into punk rock, pop punk, emo, that kind of thing? What what lit the fire inside of you? You know, you could say a fire inside of you. And that was an AFI joke if nobody caught that anyway. So here we are. You know. um, so, yeah, first I got the joke. Thank you. And uh, good, there's quite good. a few puns in the, in the book, too. And you probably got those. those I did, yes. um, no, first of all, thanks for having me back on. Uh, like I said, you know, this this show is definitely it's like a perfect match for me because two things I, I'm both passionate about. And uh, after first time I talked to you, I was like, man, I want to, I want to be back on again. Cause like Bob seems cool. And I feel like if we lived in the same city, we would like hang out. Yeah. So, you got it. You <laughs> thanks got again it. for having me on. Of course. Um, so yeah. So what got me started into punk rock was I grew up in New York and then before moving to Texas, we lived in Pennsylvania for like a year and uh, I didn't have any friends really. I was kind of an outsider except for one kid. One kid was my friend. We used to like watch wrestling. 
Star Wars, play Dungeons and Dragons, like real nerd stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when I was moving, he's like, "Hey, take some CDs with with you," and it was like some like old school emo stuff, like Juliana Theory. There's Get Up Kids. And there's Blink uh, Cheshire Cat. And I remember listening to Cheshire Cat. I was like, "There's something about this that's like, I just can't put my finger on it." Right? There's something about it that was very energetic and unique, and unlike anything I listened to before. I just really couldn't. I didn't figure it out. I didn't. You know what I mean? But there's something that kind of sparked something. So, you know, I grew up as a 90s kid. Um, you know, I graduated high school in 2000. So you can figure out how old I am. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I grew up in the 90s when, you know, alternative rock and punk were basically, you know, hand in hand. You know, when Green Day broke in, in 94, a lot, of the, a lot of the big Scott acts were on the radio. So I love 90s alternative rock. And then punk rocks are playing on there too. And then I just remember... When Dude Ranch came out, I'm like, oh, this is that band. This is that same band that, and I remember pulling, pulling the old uh, Cheshire Cat CD out. And uh, yeah, that was it for me. And like a lot of people, I think a lot of people's gateway drugs into punk rock is kind of like the mainstream pop punk bands like Green Day and Blink as well. So I, I was one of those people who, as a young uh, teenager or, yeah, teenager who was kind of introduced to punk rock that way. But the cool thing about it is, uh, I think this is really cool. I, I kind of mentioned this through the book is, uh, is you know you, you start listening to these bands but then it opens your mind to all these other bands or you start hearing the bands that influence them sure and uh you're like oh okay i want this, this band called descendants and you look them up and you're like, wow they're amazing and then you hear bad religion okay you know i've heard them talked about before okay and then you look at bad religion and then you kind of fall in love with them so it's kind of like you know it really is like a gateway drug and uh i remember you know this is funny like a lot of kids you get in like punk rock it starts off it's like pop punk but they get into like you know like real punk like the, i would say real punk but more like the 80s 90s like epitaph stuff right and then it goes like your ramones clash the damned then you start dead kennedy's then you start doing like the real old school punk and then it's like what comes after that then it's like hardcore and then emo and then all, all the other genres then it's, it's then you figure out oh wait they're all under this big umbrella <laughs> right, right. You know, one thing I do got to say that I loved that you mentioned in the book, you were talking about the descendants and you're kind of talking about how the descendants influenced Blink. And it mentioned, I think it was, you were talking to Milo and he was talking about how the descendants were influenced by the Ramones and the Buzzcocks. And it's almost like this food chain of influence that goes down the line and it kind of never ends in some ways. You know, it's really, really cool to hear that the, the timeline you know that was one of my favorite quotes um in the book from from milo because he said there was no territoriality about it right because back when bands got big there was you know all oh, these bands are sellouts they're not punk all this but like you would really very very rarely hear that from the actual bands themselves it mostly be from like kids and fanzines so uh it's interesting that milo drew this the 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 timeline or the commonalities like well just like buzzcocks ramones influence the descendants Descendants influenced Blink and Green Day, and and so forth. So he sees it. He, he like I said, there wasn't like a a jealous or territorial thing about it. It was oh, this is the logical progression from what we did, and then from what the Ramones and, and, and Buzzcocks started. So like to hear someone like that like give that quote, I think it really ties together, kind of you know the the growth of of that style of music, because I was on uh, the the, the Mike Herrera podcast. Uh, Mike from NXPX. NXPX, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he asked me, who, "Who do you think who's the first pop punk band?" And I said, "Well, technically, it'd be the Ramones, right? The yep. Ramones were the first punk rock band, but you could argue that they're also the first pop punk band because their songs are very catchy. Yep. You know, they have some mid tempo songs. They have love songs, so you could make that argument that pop punk and punk really started at the same time. Very logical. Yeah, yeah, it is. And especially when you're talking logic and you're talking Milo, you go. We have to take what he says as canon in reference to punk rock in a lot of ways, not only because he was in one of the first like straight up pop punk bands, he's also a scientist. So he has a very logical way of thinking no matter what, you know, when you first got into punk rock and you first started listening to it compared to now, what does punk rock mean to you? Do you use the word like punk or punk rock or, or anything like that to kind of define who you are? Or do you think it's more like, no, punk rock's just kind of a cultural phenomenon versus a way of defining yourself as an individual as being part of punk rock in a way? 
has there been an evolution in the way you've kind of thought about it in some ways, you know? Yeah, I guess I think as you get older, I mean, you can attest to this too. I mean, you playing in, in early, early punk rock bands too, you know, and, and now, now your dad and, you know I mean? Like it just kind of changes, like your priorities change in life, but like it still hasn't changed kind of who you are. And like, I think when people start listening to punk rock at first, like, all right, this is a culture, this is the music, but then you learn that there's more to it than that. There's, there's a, a message, there's a, there's a certain way to live your life. And it's like, you, you, you get that, you know, cause like you say, okay, it's not just about fast music anymore. There's more to it than just this. And I think kind of as people grow older and mature, you know, it's like, yeah, I think, I think that, that kind of changes a little bit or the definition of like what punk and what it is and changes. Grown up, career having, and father Mike DeMonte, what would your dream show have been when you were a teenager versus what your dream show would be today? Say like wow. th three or four bands. What would you have picked when you were a kid versus now that you would just, I'll pay $500 a ticket for this show. I don't care. You know, I got to go. I have to see this. What kind of combination of bands would you die to see then and now? Honestly, it wouldn't really change that much. It really huh? wouldn't. I can think about it. Even though my musical tastes have changed, you know, I would still kind of want to see like my three favorite bands together then and now. And then the fourth one would be probably be like a toss up. Like back then, I'd probably say Blink, Ackline Trail, Bad Religion. And the fourth <laughs> band would probably be maybe like The Descendants or Get Up Kids or I don't know who else. Or I don't know, Rancid. Back then, it could have been any of those. Sure. My, my boss owns. But now it's like, okay, it'd be Blink, Bad Religion, Ackline Trio. And then the fourth one, it's like, well, do I want to do another punk rock band? Or, I mean, should, should, should I make it what I want to see? Or does it have to fit? Because, like, I'd love to see Taylor Swift on that bill because I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> That's great. I love, I love it. I love, yeah, I love Block Party. Block Party would technically fit on that bill. So sure. I'm like, so, yeah, it's it's really the same. <laughs> <laughs> cool that's great no because you you know your taste has evolved to an extent like teenage mike demonte might have been very embarrassed to admit in public that he'd love to see taylor swift but grown-up mike demonte has become you know much more diverse in his taste of music i think ever, a lot of kids are like that so that's good i like it hey suburbia okay the book is basically about the kind of cultural phenomenon that was 90s and early 2000s pop punk and emo. Why did you write the book? What was your reasoning for wanting to kind of document that era of music and culture and everything like that? So it's always something I kind of wanted to do in the back of my mind. You know, I was covering the style of music for, for, the, for my job. Well, so I, I worked at the Eastern Chronicle as a copy editor. I did web producing. Um, I did some writing on the side. But I wasn't like a salaried you know, music writer, but no one was covering this music. So I'd always say, hey, can I cover the show for our website? Sure. Or, hey, this band's coming to town. Could I do a preview for print? And sometimes I said, yeah, sure. So like, I unofficially consider myself the beat writer for like, you know, the alt rock, you know, punk scene. Sure. Um, so, I, you know, I would cover Warped Tour every year. And, I, you know, when bands would come to town, I interview them and stuff. So. I was looking at it, I was thinking at it, I was like, man, I've compiled so many interviews I've done with, you know, some of my favorite bands like Blink, Bad Religion, Ackline Trio, Newfound Glory, uh, Get Up Kids, Dashboard Confessional, Take Max Sunday, all these big bands who are part of this Warped Tour generation. And I was like, let me tell this story. I already have 90% of the, 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 the footwork done for the, for the book since I already had all these quotes and interviews. So putting it together, you know, it took me a while because it was like, it was hard, it was hard to sell to sell the book. But when I, we came up with doing it as a coffee table idea, I was like, something you could get if you're at like Urban Outfitters or a place like that, you know, sure, something kind sure. of cool and, and slick. And it's like, it's small, but it's like, it's something you can read on the toilet. It's something you can sit down <laughs> right. and read at night. You know what I mean? Like it's got pictures. It's got like, you know, it's got, it has playlists. So it's like something that's easily digestible. And we talked about off the air earlier, something that also is nostalgic. Because I think for a lot of us who grew up in the style of music and around this time period, like that time meant like the world to a lot of people. Like, yeah, uh, for me personally, I felt like so much of my development, you know, was attributed to kind of being a part of, of this scene. And so, yeah, it was really written. I really wanted to, you know, kind of write it as like a love letter to kind of like, you know, this time period. Gotcha. Okay. And like you said, yeah, nostalgia was kind of a big part of it because you were saying 
you know, that was a very formative part of your life, that kind of that era. And that kind of led to you becoming the person that you are today. So, and that's, that's what I got when I, when I was reading through the book was just, it really felt like one foot in the past, one foot in the present, you know, like, wow, that you don't almost realize how much that era and everything that was going on made you the person that you are today. If you were involved in it in some way, and that's what I love about the book. So here's the kind of the sellout question. You know, we're talking nostalgia of the past back in those days, bands like blank and green day, they were huge. And a lot of the punk kind of purists were calling them. They're not punk. They're sellouts, you know, yada, yada. That was kind of a whole thing. How do you feel about that situation as far do you, you know, people who were say, you know, like the leather jacket, spiked hair, the diehard punks back in those days, or even like the MRR punks or the real DIY, no, we'll never sign to a major label punks calling those other bands sellouts. Do you think there's any merit to calling a band like Green Day or Blink like a sellout type of band? No, I never thought, like I said, a lot of that came from, you know, a very small, you know, section of, you know, you know, basically in the comments or on interpunk.com, you know, like, <laughs> right. org, like those websites, that's where you would see, but you very rarely hear like the bands talking, you know, talking trash about each other. And it's like, I mean, think about it. If Green Day didn't sign to a major, that what, what, the trajectory of music would have been a lot different. Right? Sure. Yeah. And yeah. if, Adam of the state didn't blow up like it did in 99 would we have the 2000s wave of emo and pop punk or you know what i mean so it's like at that both of those times i mean i think those bands hit a great time you know grunge and alternative rock were really big so from when green day kind of came out they kind of fit because they sounded you know they, they obviously had a you know a punk rock background but they sounded pretty good side by side listening you know on the alternative rock radio next to pearl jam or third up line i'm not saying they sounded like them it just like it, it, you know, hearing those bands back to back, it didn't, you know, I mean, it, it fits. Yeah, it all know? kind of complemented each other in some in a strange way, exactly. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like the same thing when Blink came out, it's like they came out a time where it was boy bands and and that was dominating. But then with new metal, you start coming through, and then so you started getting rock back, and then and then pop punk and punk started coming back with you know with Enema kind of blowing up. So you kind of have those two resurgences within years of each other in the nineties. So, you know, you could argue that it really never even left, you know, it basically went from, you know, Green Day and then straight into Blink and then and, and so forth. But yeah, to me, it was, it's weird. Cause it's like all these bands though, benefited from the success of the, these bands selling like Epitaph Records and Fat Records were selling, like they were, they were two of the biggest indie, indie labels at the time. Like, yeah. you know, like when Offspring signed too. Like Offspring's back catalog, I think it was on Nitro at the time, uh, or some of their older records. Like those went through the roof, and then as soon as you hear, you know, Blink name drops, no effects. Then no effects are selling a lot more records, right? Yeah. But no effects already sold a lot of records as it is because at that time people bought records. You yeah. Know? But like part of that explosion, you know, with the Offspring as well, you know, Epitaph Records, all those bands that weren't major labels, but were on Epitaph were selling a ton. So even though there's bands that weren't on majors, they were still benefiting from this music becoming a little bit more mainstream. So, I, you know, it's obviously a good thing because look at the careers of, you know, some of these bands that like, look, for example, like Bad Religion, they were on a major for like, I think two records, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're a band who, I mean, they still tour, they don't have to tour. You know, they've sold so much, so many records throughout their, their whole career and they've toured throughout their whole career. And a lot of that you contribute to that big boom in the 90s. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's you make a great point is any band that was attached to or, or just a part of the punk scene in general, vastly benefited by bands like Blink and Green Day and The Offspring getting huge because that brought more people in to the to the music scene. Here, here's a great example the band Dillinger four, uh, they got huge at green day, took them on tour of Japan. They're like, Hey, we love your band. And that kind of thing, you know, you saw bands like green day doing that blink would do that with bands that they really liked or were friends with. It was a really cool thing. And I don't, you know, I, I always kind of felt the sellout accusation thing 
was a tiny bit on the jealousy side, whatever. So I don't know, man. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to argue because those bands wrote good, good songs that translated well to mainstream audiences. True. Whether yeah. it's on purpose or not. I mean, the songs are good. So, right. There's, there's merit in that as well is right. like saying, did, are they sellouts because they did this and that, or is it just the fact that they were a goddamn great band that deserved that recognition, you know, and I tend to lean towards the former, like they were just incredible bands that deserve to succeed behind, beyond their wildest dreams. So question is kind of related to that do you think there were any bands in kind of the pop punk and emo realm that got together that formed specifically to sell out and or succeed because they saw bands like green day and offspring and even later on blink get huge you know and i do have an example but what do you think it, were there bands like almost like packaged bands that came together and we're like, we're going to make it big by being like these bands. Uh, I, I think uh, it's, it's hard to like, I'm trying to word my answer where it sounds diplomatic. I think there are Certainly. some bands that were definitely interested in that music and hopped on the trend. And because you can see that how like their first record come out, like, oh, this is a banging pop punk record. And their next record would be like the mature indie emo record. 
Right. And it's like, oh, that's like a big jump. Like where it's not like, like some of the band's progression, you see it over time. Right. And it feels natural, like, right? It's like a natural, natural kind of progression. Exactly. Sure. But when you see like a band, like hop on the pop punk trend, then their next album is like totally different. That's when I was kind of like, okay, this is, hmm, this is interesting. You know? <laughs> right. Uh, and I don't want to name names, but like there's a couple of bands that you, you can kind of look up. And a lot of those bands who never really were that big anyway in the scene, they kind of maybe had a cup of tea, you know, on drive through or, you know, maybe had like a song on MTV too shown at like midnight or something. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I, God, you know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus cause I hate doing that, but I can name a specific band. Uh, we'll talk about that in private, but I will say this. Okay. I will say this. It was a very interesting time. Okay. In the late, late nineties, very early two thousands, because that was when emo was kind of starting to take over in some ways. Right. And, I would ask you to do a little homework for this episode. If you don't already know about it and look at face to face. Okay. Look at their first record that was officially on a major label was a self-titled face to face with a guy standing in front of the mirror. And then the back cover yeah. is like, he had just punched the mirror, you know, and I'm going, Oh, okay. That's black flag damaged. But anyways, um, <laughs> the, um their record after that self-titled record was they had a new drummer, they had a new bass player, like half the band quit. And that was the biggest sellout record of all time. They just completely changed into this like emo format. <laughs> it was like, I love that record too, by the way. Oh, I can't even remember the name of it right now. Was but it, it was Ignorance of Bliss? Yes, yes. Mike yes. DeMonte for the win. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. What do you think about that record? I mean, just off the, you know, well, no, I love no, I it. I no, love this it. is interesting because like you bring up face to face, right? And a lot of those like older punk bands, you can argue that some of the like Jawbreaker, right? You can say Jawbreaker is an emo band too. Right. It's not like it's not like it's inaccurate, but it's like I look at like like that vagrant like vagrant records, like when they first started coming out, you know, they have face to face, no motive. Then they start signing more like the emo bands, you have get up kids, you have Ackline Trio, and none of them sounded at a place together, if that makes sense. Even though sure. Face to Face has this like straight up punk rock background, you can listen to them saying, yeah, this is punk rock, but you also listen to them right next to No, no Motive or Hey Mercedes, and it still sounded like it fits. I think like labels like that, like it's interesting because like you have like the Vagrant Records had a sound, Drive Through had a sound, Fat Records had a, had a sound too. Yeah. So it's really cool how these labels were really, not only just defining a sound, they also had like an identity to them. Like if you signed to this record, you're probably sounding kind of kind of like the other bands. You know, I thought that was really cool that, you know, you could kind of, you could be into a label, you know, like not just the bands, but like the label and like, especially like the samplers that would come out, like, you know, that was a great time for that. And it's like, you really don't, never really saw that in rock music. I mean, it's something you kind of saw in hip hop, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, yeah, like you knew if you're buying something from like Death Row, you were going to yeah. get a certain kind of record and that I've, as so many people in that I've talked to over the last couple of years about music said, just what you said, you, when they were kids, they would go to their local record store. And if they saw a lookout record, they would buy it just based on the fact that it was on lookout because they knew, okay, we're going to get kind of like this lo-fi either like a lo-fi garage and pop punk kind of mixed up sound, you know, no matter what, there was that recognition just from labels. And we don't really have that anymore. We kind of do and kind of don't, you know, it's arguable, I guess. But then I think we answered the next part of that question really was, you know, what do you think about bands that, that got together kind of just to sell out is in some ways who cares? Because if they ended up being good bands, great. There's another, there's another group of people in the party with the rest of us like hey come on in <laughs> grab a beer sit and like you're awesome too so it's kind of cool you know i did want to address kind of the pop punk elephant in the room with what's been going on over the last couple of years and kind of get your thoughts on it there's been a lot of members of kind of former <clears throat> and current and in some cases very popular pop punk bands that have been accused of sexual assault sexual misconduct even rape and things like that how do you address that you know like when you're writing your book would you purposefully leave somebody that's been accused of bad things out of the historical context that you're writing in 
Yeah, so absolutely. So when I was going through my old quotes, I had some great quotes from Steve Clyde, the old guitarist from Newfound Glory. And I'm like, I can't use these. Obviously, people don't know his case. I mean, he was kicked out of Newfound Glory because he was interacting inappropriately with underage girls. Yeah. So you look at look at bands like Brand New, who were one of the biggest bands in the world. And after the stuff Jesse Lacey did, they're basically dead. You know, that band's dead and never coming back. And to me, I mean, definitely hurts the legacy of those bands, you know? Right, definitely. Um, yeah. And I did try to include in the book some of the stuff about Warp Tour, about how they kind of booked some of those more predatory bands. And uh, they, the next year, they tried to make up for it by having more, you know, female-friendly acts and, and, and having more feminist punk rock bands as well. Um, so I remember that Warp Tour, I specifically wanted to cover that when I covered Warp Tour. I really wanted to kind of make that part of my story. So obviously I reached out to uh, Shauna from War on Women as well and uh, for that as well, because I thought that was interesting how Warp Tour was trying to like save face after that. Sure. Shauna's great. Her band's dope and we're friends. So <laughs> that ended up being a really cool interview. Uh, but no, just in general, it's, it, it is disappointing to see when you hear it, you know, you, you, those stories come out because you would never think this genre of music would be rock starry or right right completely have that yeah. predatory behavior but you know you expect that more from like hair metal or metalcore or you know what i mean like you wouldn't expect that from next i think that goes against a lot of the punk ethos so you know i think it's good that a lot of our favorite bands are still like you know they haven't been canceled because they haven't done anything like that right so right. i think that's reassuring because it's like oh our heroes could still be our heroes you know you've been a journalist for a long time i mean started in college and then started working for a newspaper in Houston as a journalist, as kind of a documentarian in some ways, what do you see in the future for pop punk and emo? Do you think it has staying power? I mean, I think it does personally, but what do you think as far as we're looking, we're almost 50 years into when it started with the Ramones, you know, and where do you think it's going? What's the trajectory? Where are we headed with that? These types of music? It's interesting because in the book, I mentioned how it, it never really left, you know, like, right. Even though it wasn't like on the radio anymore or wasn't trendy. I mean, these bands are still playing sold out clubs, you know, large amphitheaters all throughout the country. I mean, Taking Back Sunday and Jimmy World became huge rock bands outside of the genre, yeah. you know. So during that time when, you know, the, the quote unquote trend died down, I mean, the band still uh, flourished, you know. What I mean, like they, they were still successful. They're still putting out records, touring, playing to their their fan base, you know. And a lot of times, you know, it just shows you this the staying power of radio, you know, of how important, how big that was back then, you know, how a band like the Used could be on the radio, you know, back then, and now they're, you know, they're still big. But like for the future, I, I still see it. Like it's interesting because right now, you know, there's there's talks about the trends coming back, the trends coming back, because you know you have like Machine Gun Kelly, Halsey. Uh, Will Smith's daughter, Will Smith. Yeah, Will Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of biting, you know, off. Like Olivia Rodrigo has like a song on her album that sounds like a Paramore song, and she she just gave them a writing credit for it. So it's interesting to hear like these bigger pop stars kind of bite off it. You know, some of that's you know like Travis Barker produces some, so obviously that's his influence too. But it's it's like it's a double edged sword. It's like, well, if they listen to Machine Gun Kelly and say, oh, Travis Barker, so I know him, that's the, the guy from Blink. And they listen to Blink and then they go back and listen to like MXPX and Screeching Weasel. Okay, but that's rad, you know? Kind of like back in the day, you know, when we would, you know, say, oh, oh, here's Green Day. And then, well, who influenced Green Day? And then you look up Jawbreaker, Operation Ivy, you know, all those, yeah. you know, the, the East Bay bands. So it's kind of like the same thing. But at the same time, it's like, I, you know, I just kind of wish that the, the bands themselves would be getting big right now, as opposed to already established, you know, pop artists who are kind of now starting to play this music. Because there are a lot of really good newer bands in the scene, um, pop punk, emo, hardcore, that are doing well for themselves for sure. You know, but they're obviously not at the level of, uh, you know, Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> right, right. Playing these huge, huge shows sold out with like 10,000 people there, that kind right. of thing, you know. Do you see pop punk specifically becoming a more inclusive thing, you know, with more bands that have primarily women as members or members of the LGBTQ plus community? Also, people of color are definitely getting it seems to me definitely getting more involved in the punk scene in general. Have you what do you think of that? Have you noticed that that is kind of something that's been happening? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Um, there's quite a few bands that are out right now that are actually really good and they're kind of getting like steam behind them. You know, like people are taking notice. Um, Jamie Coletta is a publicist and uh, she only, she takes on a lot of bands that are, you know, have, have female, female fronted uh, people of color in them. And she promotes them. She does a hell of a job promoting them. I'm trying to think, uh, one of the bands just came out with a, an album. What, what's their name? Uh, they're, the they're Muslims. Oh, oh, the Muslims are good. They're on Epitap. Yep. Uh, oh, uh, we are the Union. Mm. They're a Scott band uh, fronted by a transgender person. Oh, okay. Uh, their album's really, really good. Scott, really good Scott record. Band Action Adventure, pop punk band. They saw Newfound Glory. All, all people of color. Uh, I'm trying to think. What are some other other good bands? It's just, it's just you're just seeing more of it in general, uh, and I think yeah. that's just more. I think I think a part of that too is like rock music is kind of coming back, you know. Sure. And, sure and there's is. a lot there's a lot more genre blending in mainstream music. You know, if you're a fan of hip hop and you see Post Malone with a guitar, you may say, "Oh, that that's that's kind of cool," you know. And then you may start getting into rock music. So I think there's just more genre blending in general with mainstream music. So I think that's part of it too. You're, you're getting more kids more non-white kids into rock music. Right. That's traditionally, you know, or it seems to be traditionally more the home for, you know, cisgender, straight, white yeah. males from the suburbs almost is like that's been, especially in punk rock, that's been the biggest thing. You get four straight white dudes in a band and there you go. That's what it was for years. And occasionally you'll have the no doubts and things like that. Well, here, comes bands like war on women that just defy all that shit and spit in the face of the the formula in the best possible way you know and i i love to see it grow and become more inclusive because it only means that that much more understanding of people who are different than us come are gonna is gonna come out of it i think you know so they'll love to see the future is looking pretty bright right now i think it seems like yeah, so yeah and i think a lot of that is a tribute to Laura Jane Grace too. I think uh, yes, I, I, absolutely. I mean, she gets enough credit for that because I mean, you know, she's a big artist. I mean, Rolling Stone, you know, yep. constantly yep. in Rolling Stone, constantly relevant, you know, uh, whether it's, it's her solo work or against me, you know, she obviously has a, a large back catalog too. So if you're a kid who's into that, into, into, into this music, you can look back and say, she's been doing this for a really long time. That's a, like a really good role model. Absolutely. Yeah. And it also tells other people that are, in a similar circumstance, maybe that, Hey, you know what? This is what I love about punk. It kind of tells anybody who looks at it. You can do this too. If you want, and don't be afraid to try, don't be afraid to put yourself out there and do it because that's what they did and look where they are now. So that's kind of like, you know, seeing somebody like Laura Jane get up there and do her thing. And you know, some, another kid, some, a, a transgender kid could look at that and say, God, I should do that too. And then there we go. And the future is wide open for them and all the rest of us in a lot of ways too. So the last question, we kind of blazed through this one. <laughs> What's next for you, Mike DeMonte? I know Hey Suburbia came out not terribly long ago and you also have a children's book. Is that, did that book already come out or is that coming out soon? Uh, no, I wrote a young adult book. Oh, um, YA book. Okay. Yeah, okay. A YA book. Uh, that came out a couple of years ago. Ah, it's okay. called Pumpkin Spice and Nothing Nice. So if you have any teenagers, buy for them because October is coming right up. It's a good <laughs> it is. It's book. a season. But yes. Yes. I would like to write a children's book one day because having a child of my own, you realize how easy it is to write a children's book and get rich off it because <laughs> they're the most simplistic, <laughs> simplistic things in like, yeah, it's just crazy. But like, it's cool. Like, I have a lot of like cool cryptid based like children's books. Like, I could teach my kid about like Bigfoot and stuff. So someday I like to write a children's book. But no, for now, like Hey Suburbia came out this summer. And, like Hey Suburbia is a really good for me. You know, I mean, it's it's it just it's a really good like closing the chapter about covering this music. But it's a good representation of what my career was like covering this music. But it's not just about me. Yeah, obviously it's not. It's about the the scene itself. So yeah. one of the things it is to kind of evoke that nostalgia, but also if you're new into the style music, is to kind of teach about the roots. And I think that's really important. That you know, if you're into uh, My Chemical Romance, you know, then you learn about Acline Trio and the Misfits, maybe some of the the bands that influenced them, and right. Lifetime and Bouncing Souls, and you know, as well. So I think it's really important for that element too. If you're 
in your 30s and 40s like we are, you can pick this book, book up, get transformed back. But if you're some 17-year-old kid, 16-year-old kid, you pick it up and you learn about the history. Sure, like some teenage kid now who who would yeah. say, oh, you know, I saw Machine Gun Kelly had is like doing this pop punk stuff. What is it? And then they go maybe to your book, hopefully, and go, holy crap, it's a whole that's just opens up a whole new world, you know, to quote Aladdin, um, a whole new world. It just exposes them to so much awesome stuff. That's what I definitely felt when I read your book was just how, how rich the tapestry of this, the pop punk and emo of those, that era has been. And yeah, you make a great point, like saying, hopefully some kids going to read it and go, Holy crap, look at all this stuff that I can get into. It's amazing. So, any books on the horizon for you? Any any projects that you're working on right now or anything? Uh, nothing. Just uh, kind of busy with having a newborn and a, and a new job and stuff. So yeah, it's just kind of busy. But I still, you know, for I still write on my website punkrockandufos.com. So if you're interested, check it out. I'm sure you, you can read more about my books too. And yeah, I'm just you know whenever I have the time to do something fun, I'll do something on punkrockandufos.com, which is pop culture mixed with paranormal. Excellent. Well, that's the kind of stuff that I love. Yes. And we will have you back. I'm thinking around Halloween to get a little bit more into those things when it's spooky season. So yes, it is rapidly approaching. Well, thank you, Mike DeMonte. Yeah. And we will talk again very soon. Well, there you go. The Mike DeMonte punk rock spectacular is done. Thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to talk to me for this episode. I do really appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning, I really do love talking to Mike. We have so much in common. It's kind of ridiculous, honestly. Punk rock, paranormal, that is the whole Bobcast. That is all I talk about, pretty much literally. So I did mention at the very beginning, you should buy Mike's latest book, Hey Suburbia. Well, how exactly do you do that? It's very easy. Just go to punkrockandufos.com. Click on the Buy the Books tab up at the top of that webpage, and there are all of Mike's books and their paranormal, UFO, and punk rock goodness and glory. I'd also recommend, if you'd like to buy his books, check availability through IndieBound.org. It's a great resource that hooks you up with independent bookstores in your area. All you have to do, go to IndieBound.org. Search for Mike's books in the very handy-dandy search bar at the very top of that website. Allow that website to use your location at that moment, anyways. And there you go. For me, and I live in the San Diego area, five local independent bookstores all popped up and all claimed to have copies of at least one of Mike's books. So that's a great way to access local, small business, kind of maybe family-run independent bookshops. And that, I believe, is definitely the way to go. No matter what you do, though, I would highly recommend checking out Mike DeMonte's books, the Punk Rock and UFO series, Hey Suburbia. And he also has a young adult novel out there. I think it's called Pumpkin Spice and Nothing Nice or something like that. Pretty cool. So Mike's got some rad books. Definitely check it out. Thank you again, Mike, for appearing on this episode of The Bobcast. Absolutely always a pleasure having you here. And I will say... Look for a future episode with Mike, maybe as soon as October 2021, where we're going to get much deeper into the UFO and paranormal related stuff, because I'm reading Punk Rock and UFOs Part 3 right now, which is kind of subtitled Stranger Than Fiction. It's absolutely blowing my mind. It's incredible. Right from the very beginning, too. It's really a great book, and I've read a lot of paranormal type of books, paranormal, occult, kind of strangeness, weirdness, that type of thing. This book is absolutely blowing my mind. I cannot wait to have Mike back to talk more about our mutual love of the strange and the weird. Thanks so much to War on Women and Shauna Potter for letting me play the song in this episode. And also thanks to Midwife Made Naturals for being this episode's sponsor. Links to War on Women and Midwife Made Naturals will be on this episode's page of the Bobcast. I want to party with Bob.com slash podcast. There you go. Please check them out. Thank you for listening. Please remember, subscribe, rate, and review the Bobcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider joining the Bobcast Patreon for bonus and exclusive content like this episode you just heard, minus the ads and interruptions, that is. That Patreon page is patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. The lowest tier is a dollar a month. Please sign up today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. 
And thank you so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Bobcast.